podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. We call whistle, and this is true. We love to do the things that we're not supposed to do. We don't need robbing, stealing, or mugging. In fact, we'll take it seriously. We're only bugging. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Whistleblowers. We had a week off last week because it was international break. And who wants to hear a podcast about that? Hey, who? No one. That's who. Uh, this is us, though. We're back. It's me, Mark Smith. I'm here as ever with Martin Gritton, ex-pro and current legend, Martin Gritton. How are you doing, Martin? Thanks, mate. What a lovely intro from you for a change. I'll take an international break every every time if, it, if that's what it costs. I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. Um... I feel like football's been gone for ages, uh, and I don't know. It just international breaks are strange beasts, and they seem to last forever and ever. But we're back now, and I'm happy. So much has happened, and we need to talk about I mean, Newcastle's takeover, all sorts, all sorts of things. And who better to talk us through all this than Gareth Dobson, the third wheel of this podcast? Don't forget, third wheel is very necessary. Very necessary. Without a third wheel, uh, you know, your car would just break, wouldn't it? It's true. That's I, your I, intro, I Gareth. Like, <laughs> thanks, man. I feel like I've completed the Robin Reliance of the podcast. Clown car of football podcasts. Am I, am I wrong here, though, Gareth? Does it not feel like ages ago since we last had sort of top-level domestic football? Well, yeah, it does. Like you said, because so much happens and the news cycle is so rapid, but it feels like, like you said, you know, five seismic events have happened since the last mm. time we saw a Premier League team kick the ball. However... I decided to keep my eye in and go to a, uh, a Premier League football ground last weekend to watch uh, the NFL team I support nice. lose at the ground of the Premier League team I support. It was like really doubling down on my misery. Yeah, and, and sort of what was that, 10 days after AJ had lost uh, his big fight with Alexander Usyk in the same venue. It's very Spursy. Everyone who plays there is very Spursy. It's almost like it's it's a it's a haunted ground. We need, we need to get one of those uh, rituals you occasionally hear about in sports, where like I know they they they, they skin a bird and stick a dagger <laughs> through its heart and shove it full of cloves. I, I've got a feeling you're going to be explaining that in front of a judge at some point. Why did you do this, Gareth? <laughs> well, I thought it might uh, I don't know exercise the demons. All right, we're doing a short version of the podcast as we a truncated version. So let's blast straight into it, shall we? Um, we'll start grits with. Leicester versus Man United, this, over the last couple of seasons, last few seasons really, has basically been an eliminator for the top four, hasn't it? It's been one of those where sort of a six-pointer for teams trying to get in the top four. At the minute, though, Leicester look a little bit lost, don't they? Yeah, for the first time, I'd say United going into this would be favourites. Although perhaps on paper they've been in the past, Leicester are just kind of a bogey team, aren't they? Just have have a great way of playing that's always just unsettled them. Um, yeah. But you're absolutely right. I mean, Leicester, Leicester need to start putting a run of form together to get up there. Um, but, you know, teams around them that are doing better, well, I'm sure we'll come on to Arsenal in a bit. And the fact that Ollie's got, you know, just a bigger squad strength and depth. And Leicester have been un- unfortunate that some of their best players have been injured at the start of the season. But, you know, Vardy started to fire again, which is promising. Um, and, you know, they always cause problems. And Brendan Rodgers just loves, you know, beating Man United, doesn't he? Yeah, he always seems to pull something out of the bag for uh, for big games. Um, Gareth, the problem United have got, they weren't keeping clean sheets at the start of the season anyway. Now they've got ex-Leicester 
player, Harry Maguire. He's, he should be coming back, but he's injured, so he's not playing. And now Rafa Varane's out from an, an injury on international duty. So they're now with a back two, or centre-back partnership, if, if you like, of uh, Lindelof and Bailly. I mean, it's like going back five years, isn't it? This is, this is, this is disastrous for United going into a very tough run of fixtures. Yeah, it's not ideal. And if you want to go even further into the throwback, uh, apparently Phil Jones might be in contention to play for the first time in, in some time. He, he he turned out for the uh, you know the development squad um, this evening, I believe. Uh, so might be sort of fast tracked into you know at least onto the bench. And I think we've all missed those sort of uh, Phil Collins, Phil Collins, Phil Jones <laughs> facial memes when he when he pulls those particularly bizarre. Uh, uh, post uh, post coital faces, but it, it, on, Gareth, it, it, can I just stop you there? Have you have you been involved then in Phil Collins memes? Is that why you little Freudian slip? Phil there? Collins post coital memes. <laughs> it's I, I I'd rather not say. I'll let my social media account sure. speak for itself. Um, <laughs> follow me for all your favourite Phil Collins uh, post coital memes. <laughs> um, it, it is tricky. I mean, I to be honest, I think uh, playing Leicester at uh, the King Power may actually uh, give Manchester United a, a bigger advantage. Their home form, home form has been woeful for for a while now, uh, certainly for a bigger team. Um, and I think they'll they'll quite fancy themselves. Two teams who thrive on the counter attack, so it may be one of those ones to see who blinks first and who who really sort of pushes on. Um, I suspect that Manchester United will pull this one out. Uh, Leicester beat them last time they played in the league. And Leicester also beat them last time they played in, in the FA Cup on the way to winning it last season. So that's, you yeah. know, the last two games. I It may be counterintuitive, but I, I can't really see Leicester winning three out of three. And, you know, for Leicester, it, like, you know, they've got a big month coming up ahead as well. You know, they've got uh, Brighton and Arsenal to play. They've got a, a Europa League game and uh, and I think a League Cup game. So they've got a lot can happen or, or, or be undone this month for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's a game I'm really looking forward to. It's the game that's headlining our podcast this week, and yet it's on a three o'clock on a Saturday, not on TV, nowhere. It seems great. It's like it's quite a strange, uh, quite strangely programmed, the uh, broadcast games so far this season. We've had a few of these where we've talked about this on the podcast. Leicester United should be, that should be a Super Sunday, should know a minimum a Saturday lunchtime kickoff for Sky or BT Sport or whatever it is. Yeah, you'd think so. I mean, I have no idea. I genuinely, I mean, that's a, that's a question that baffles me. It baffles a lot of people. I'm still can't get the image of Phil Jones uh, playing for the under-23s in my head of him just swaggering in in his brand-new Giacomo tracksuit, just giving it the big in to all these young lads and just going, yeah. Just occasionally you get those ex-pros that had come in and you go, they would just give it the begging with like 15 and 16 year olds, just like, you're like, you don't need to, but they couldn't resist the opportunity to just be a complete cock. Very interesting there that you've referred to him as an ex pro. <laughs> yeah, sorry, <laughs> old pros. Yeah, I mean, it feels like he's an ex pro. Yeah, so. you know I what? Mean, he, um, I did some work with United for a couple of years. This is a few years ago now. And he was, uh, he was absolutely sound. He's one of the nicest guys there. I take was, it all back. Um, huh? I take it all back. Sorry. No, no it's fine. But, I think it must be so difficult. Grits, talk me through this. As, 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 did you have any lengthy layoffs as a as a professional? And how how difficult is it coming back, more psychologically than physically? Yeah, well, you get the feeling that the club have moved on in the time that he's been away more than anything, just in terms of mentality, the, the calibre of signings, they've kind of 
made themselves more legitimate again, regardless of his abilities. Which I mean, you would put you put him and he was like the early incarnation of John Stones, wasn't he? He's like like an Iron Man when there's like the big heavier one, but it was still like a version of Iron Man. And then they come along with this this sleek, uh, very efficient, updated one. You're like, oh, that's what it's yeah. supposed to be the like. And then version of the Range Rover, exactly. So he's I don't know. I, I feel I feel for him a little bit. The one thing he has got is the commitment, and he's got attitude, isn't he, on the pitch? And you always know you'll get 100. percent It's just 100 percent of what. Um, yeah, no. he's kind of player that will end up at West Brom, be their captain for ten years. Yeah, I think that's fair, but uh, you know, it is a shame because I think he was an excellent player. A few moments of lapses of concentration, but a lot of young centre backs had that. Right, it's not a big deal. Uh, Gareth, we bang on about this on the show a lot. Uh, centre midfield, specifically defensive midfielders. This game, I think, is going to be quite a stark reminder that United are nowhere near it in that department, and Leicester um, potentially got two of the best, maybe three of the best. Uh, more defensively minded midfielders in the league in I'm thinking of Ndidi I know Chelemans is more of a number eight but can still do do it all and Sumare um, do you think we're going to see a, this uh, this difference at the weekend I, I assume that's what Leicester are going to be relying on like you said if you sort of go to say it on you know on pitch player player it is the central midfield where you would say that Leicester are probably both better and also more cohesive and 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 more fluid. I think that you know Tielemans been one of the Premier League players of the season already. He was one of the better yeah. players last year as well. Um, and it's something that you know Brennan Rogers I think has always focused on wanting to control that midfield, wanting to control the tempo and the ball. Um, it's the Leicester. I mean, uh, Vestergaard's come on quite well along with. Um, along with his Danish teammate Schmeichel, it seems like that that's helped out the defence. I think there's going to be question marks for them after some injuries. And also Ricardo Pereira's come back. Um, yeah, yeah, looks great. Like a very, a very, very, the very good player he was again. So there's, I mean, I think you assume that Manchester United start 11 will might be better than Leicester's. I, I'm not sure that's the case, especially the two teams that they're both going to be able to put out on the pitch on Saturday. It's, you know, it, it should be a close game, like you said. You know, it's gonna it's gonna be fascinating. And I, for me, the 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 biggest question is who who needs a victory more? Who needs a better result more? You know, Leicester have won, I think, one in five, maybe. Yeah. And you know, essentially, for Manchester, every time they drop points, they can see you know the top three clubs moving further away. Usually, I mean, they're obviously within touching distance of of those clubs but if they if they keep dropping points that's not going to remain the case yeah and at the start of this difficult run as well uh, right we'll do uh, we'll wrap that up for the first half of the show after the break we'll talk about Brentford against Chelsea Everton West Ham and Newcastle do we still call them Newcastle I don't even know will they change their name under Saudi ownership who knows but they're at home to uh, some team from North London who cares Welcome back to the show. Grits, Brentford-Chelsea this weekend. Brentford, one of the most exciting surprise packages of the year so far. Chelsea, not surprising at all. They've just been brilliant, as we sort of expected. Um, This is the sort of game and the sort of ground where I think big clubs will go to this season and get overturned. We've seen that already with Liverpool drawing. We've seen them beating Arsenal. I feel like Chelsea are going to go there and get the job done. I think this is a real litmus test for how professional they're going to be this season. What do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. I you, you get a feeling, that, and it's never about luck with Brentford because they play with such quality and, and spirit and all the rest. 
but you feel like they've had so many wins when they perhaps either shouldn't have or ones that they've put in performances that are way above perhaps what people expected of them. And then there's got to be a moment of reality. You know, there's got to be a slight, um, I think Gareth called it regression to the mean about them before, where it's like at some point maybe there's going to be some levelling off. I don't, I don't know. I, you, you expect some sort of swashbuckling effort from them, but um, Chelsea are just a different beast now, aren't they, in this last eight, ten months? Um, so it'll be interesting. I, you know, I'd be I'd be more than happy if Brentford proved me completely wrong and went out and did something incredible. But we've seen them firsthand recently, haven't we, against West Ham? And you see the way that they the, the the pressure points that they find are on teams that generally perhaps have weaknesses to exploit or certainly went at them in a different sort of mentality. Are treating them like Brentford um, in Burton Commons for those uh, can't see me. But um, I certainly think that. Uh, you know, I think this is an opportunity for Chelsea to to perhaps remind them of their status. Yeah, I think so. Um, Gareth, Gritz there alluded to us going to see Brentford against West Ham. It was a whistleblower's road trip, wasn't it? First first of many, we hope. But they were excellent, weren't they, in that game against West Ham? I think they... West Ham, I mean, similarly, West Ham are a very good side with who started pretty well this season and they're turning their home ground into a fortress. Yet Brentford went there and really did a number on them, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They, I mean, that they played incredibly well, and it's one of those things. I think some teams, when you see them up front and in person, you see how well drilled they are, and you know what what a good team they are in terms of everyone knew what they were doing. They kept pushing until the end. Obviously, they scored essentially the last kick of the game, yeah. and it did feel like at any point, you know, West Ham had some good periods, especially in the second half. They looked like a much better team, but you did get that sense at any point, you know. Brentford are that coil snake who can just pull something out like they did with Liverpool, you know, in in, in the previous game. And it's going to be, it'll be interesting to see if they can pull that off against uh, against Chelsea. Um, is it going to be enough? But it, it, the thing that struck me was the way they celebrated at the end of of, of that West Ham game. And it, it feels like we're sort of moving into sort of cliches and epithets, but it does feel like, this Premier League season means more to that team than it does maybe for other teams. Like every victory feels like something yeah. to rejoice in. And, you know, I, I think you you see these first season teams where it's also new and so exciting and brilliant, but that does carry teams on for a while. And it really gives them that bit more. And also, you know, like certain teams from the past, when teams get used to winning late, when teams get used to really driving on, pulling something in the back, it becomes a habit. Winning is a habit. And also, never giving up, always believing the game's within reach. So if they can keep it tight against Chelsea, if they can stay within one goal, I think it'll be a really interesting competitive game. If, 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 if. Uh, yeah. Grits, um, obviously Chelsea, I, I assume, are one of your favourites to win the league. I imagine West, I imagine Man City are your number one, as we all know. Grits loves Man City. Uh, are you disappointed, surprised, anything about Lukaku? Uh, given that first game against Arsenal where he was unbelievable, he's not really been free-flowing, free-scoring. Uh, has that surprised you or is it just something that's just a matter of time? Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? it those, the normality of our life back in the Premier League, remember the criticism he used to come under from Manchester United and you were just like, wonder why? But, you know, in Italy, he's had this freedom. Again, there is a bit of it, even in the modern era, we we only got the highlights from Italy. We, you know, that was the thing we only ever saw. I, I, 
you know, I know that in the modern day we can watch those games are full, but who really did that? You know, you just caught the moments when these guys did brilliantly. Same as when Jaden Sancho was absolutely ripping up the, the, yes. the you know, the, the Bundesliga. It's the same sort of thing. You see the highlights package in great, but the reality of the Premier League is very different. I think the intensity and the pace of it um, supersedes the Italian league as has done for quite a while. Um, it doesn't mean that obviously he hasn't got the ability. He's a, you know, and certainly the way that Chelsea play, you know, they're still finding their feet. You're right. He's a, he's a really goal scorer and he's always proven that. So I have no doubt in that. But yeah, it's not as easy as perhaps we thought it might be after the first game. But he's, I think he's playing very well. I think this is one of those things that sort of detractors are latching onto by saying, you know, he's, he's not scored. We see Salah score so many goals. Ronaldo's come in and scored so many so quickly. And I think it's just so unrealistic to expect that from every player that comes in, isn't it? He's still doing great work. He's getting in the team every week because he's so pivotal already to that team. Uh, Gareth, there aren't any concerns there, are there? No, I, I don't think so. Uh, if anything, I, I think um, Thomas Tuchel is going to be really pleased by what seems to have been the effect on on Timo Werner, who suddenly yes. is 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 scoring goals and he's scoring the chances. I mean, he still has missed a couple, but you know he uh, performed well and scored in the international break for for Germany. He looked very lively uh, when he's been making appearances for Chelsea. So, if if anything, you know if. If Lukaku's playing fine, but Werner's suddenly playing up a level, then it's not too much of an issue. And yeah, yeah. Lukaku will be absolutely fine. Yeah, I think so. Uh, right, let's move on. Everton-West Ham uh, on Sunday. Uh, Gritz, you take the lead on this one. You're a, a very keen watcher of West Ham. Um, they need to bounce back a little bit here, don't they? And Everton's a perfect place to do it. Yeah, interesting that they, you know, after the result they had away there last year, I, mean, I know that was a Suchek special. He's a man that hasn't really um, started in the same way that he did last season. Not to say his performances haven't been great in midfield, but Just he, chipped, he chipped in with a few goals. Um, this is a West Ham team that have had two weeks rest, essentially. A lot of internationals in there that perhaps haven't, you know, they're not presence in the in the first eleven for them. I think their their team will have a, a chance to reflect. I'm not sure if Antonio played for Jamaica, but I'm, I don't know if he knocked it on the head this time because he's recovering. But anyway, I know that they haven't had a Europa League game, which was a big problem for them before the Brentford game because they were kind of down and not on bodies and just kind of energy, um, and they've suffered because of that. So I think there'll be a different proposition for uh, Rafa's Everton, uh, Everton. But um, yeah, well, let's see it. I mean. They're a team that's kind of, you know, this might be the last season for this uh, West Ham team as it is with Declan Rice and a few guys touted to move and blooming the never ending seemingly. The pundits just love to uh, tout his words elsewhere. It'd be, it'd be amazing if, they, if West Ham actually kept a player of his calibre, but you feel like the, the writing's on the wall there. Well, I, I think it's, 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 uh, it's not a bad shout to say he might stay because I think that that stadium is always full. They are progressing on the pitch and off it. I think that, you know, there's if you can't keep Declan Rice now, then when can you keep a player of that ability? So, I mean, there's, there's every chance. I wonder, Gritz, uh, as a player, let's say you come off the back of, uh, you lost at home to Brentford, a game that you don't want to be dropping points in, really. Do you prefer going into a game like, like the Everton away game, a, t- a team that are competing for the exact same honours, the same positions in the league that you are? Or would you rather have, you know, uh, no, no disrespect, but a Norwich at home. No, I think it's a good point. I think you want a competitive game, and and also away from home. West Ham had sensational form away from home. It wasn't, you know, 
they, they won a lot of important games on the road. Uh, they've proven that again this season. So, to be honest, I think it's a great one for them to go away, get stuck in, and then come back with conquering heroes back to um, back to the next Europa game. I think it's the next home game, unfortunately, against Genk. But at the same time, um, you know, it's it's another chance for them to play under the lights. And under the lights, they're a different proposition again at, at London Stadium. He's, as you said, uh, um, a great great place uh, when it's a full house and rocking. Yeah, yeah, I must... Uh... Is, is there anything in that, playing under the lights? Yeah, do you know what there is? When I played, I loved the fact that it was a little bit colder. You have you have your pre-match, like about three, four in the afternoon, when you everyone's naturally a bit tired. So you just kind of, but you pick up again. And honestly, even games used to just sharpen your focus. And there's yeah. that, something about that cold air. The pitch is always slick because there's that kind of, the dew on the And you can see grass. your breath like a dragon. Do you know? <laughs> there you go, you got it. That's, that's all they care about these footballers um, <laughs> Gareth Everton they're sort of a, a home for broken toys aren't they but they've been they've been really brilliant they've been so much fun to watch players that we sort of forgotten about a little bit you know Damari Gray uh, Andros Townsend even to a certain extent they've just been absolutely fantastic under Benitez yeah I mean and they have and they, you know, they've got falling points uh, on the same amount of points as teams like Manchester United they're only two off the top Um They've lost one game this season and they've got generally in the Premier League a really good record against West Ham. I think um, they rarely lose them, except interestingly in the last couple of games where West Ham, I think, have won the last two at, at Goodson Park. So it's kind of hard to call it based on recent form. West Ham have a chance and on historical form, Everton usually beat West Ham. But like you said, it's these are the mini or that sort of mini league between you know teams who want to finish between fourth and eighth. Which which will probably have have an impact at the end of the season and the the amount of players who are going to come back or not come back from the international break will be really interesting. Damari Gray and Andros Townsend haven't been involved. They they could be fresh. Um, I I don't know where Dominic Calvert Lewin is in his recovery timetable. Um, but even players like Abdullah Dzakori have played really well this season. Super. I, I don't know whether Alan has uh, has travelled with Brazil. They're playing late Thursday night which is just an absolute right. nightmare, um, certainly for, for Premier League teams. I mean, Everton West Ham's on a Sunday, but even even you know trying to import players back from around the globe for a Sunday game is is, is ridiculous. So this is two teams who will be amongst pressure. Obviously, Richarlison is a huge factor for Everton, and he plays regularly for Brazil. In fact, I think Richarlison may have played more football than anyone else in this calendar year. Ridiculous. I would, I would love to see the statistics. But, you know, going from... You know, a full Premier League season to playing in the Copa America to playing in the Olympics, Olympics yeah. and then straight into a Premier League season. I mean, he is either indefatigable or his career is going to be over at age 25. Um, I love that you just used that word, Gareth. That's brilliant. Please, please note that I had to take a pause to work out how you actually say it. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is really fun. You know, they're, they're also two powerful teams. Um yeah, Moyes and Benitez are cut from a similar cloth in their their outlook to how you you know how you play the game. They're they're both relatively cautious and they want solid bases. So it's but at the same time, it still feels like this could be a classic Premier League blood and thunder game. I, I think it'll be high on commitment and high on on a bit of quality. I, I think we noted in the last pod that uh, Andros Townsend had his best form for for his club career under Benitez at Newcastle, and he's carrying on at Everton. So maybe we shouldn't be that surprised. Uh, absolutely um a, a concise a concise way of putting it um speaking of blood and thunder newcastle have got new owners 
Um, they're <laughs> Spurs nice. on Sunday. Um, the Saudis are in town. Martin, um, have you got any thoughts on this, or are you just sort of are you just sort of done with this in terms of morality has gone out the window? Went out the window a while ago. This is just what football is. I think it's just it's it's sad, isn't it? It's it's sad because Newcastle fans aren't being allowed to be happy to get rid of Ashley in the way that they should be. But at the same time, you know, the man in the street is feels like he's being asked to solve problems that people at the top level haven't fixed. I mean, the sort of friends of the pod and great journalists. Are, I think Jack Pitbrook wrote an amazing piece on it for the yeah. Athletic. Miguel is pretty. Uh, Miguel Delaney is pretty. Um, he doesn't hold back. Well, Miguel Miguel's put himself forward uh, for years on this with with Man yeah. City, with Chelsea. With he's yeah, he's he's really good on this sort of stuff, and he keeps on producing articles against Saudi Arabia, against and knowing that he's going to have these people online try and attack him for it, and it, he's just absolutely right to stick to his guns. Um, I'm I'm just sort of. I sort of fall out of love with football a little bit more every year, it seems. And this, this, this to me has been quite a big one. And the idea that, I mean, obviously Newcastle fans, you want them to be able to celebrate Ashley going, but those don't, those two things don't exist in a vacuum. It's not Mike Ashley leaving. And that's one thing to celebrate. You can't separate those things. It's Mike Ashley going to be replaced by someone much worse than someone who's just un- underpays staff and, who sells big mugs? This is this is a this is a this has got to be a line in the sand for me, Gareth. What, what do you make of it? We won't go too heavy on it, but let's just yeah. give it a minute or so. I think that the the big difference between this and say a takeover by the Glazers, who people don't like, because it looks like they've cynically used the club just to extract money and profit for their own well to leverage their debt, yeah, and to leverage their debt. You know that that's someone coming in and taking on a business and using it for their own joy and not for the, the 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 happiness of the club of the sports but with with uh Newcastle it's a bigger political issue where you know it's not been used for money or profit or anything like that. it is used as a political tool you know i'm sure you've seen the phrase sport washing where essentially yeah. you know it is a I, I want to be very careful with my words. If I say cultural war, that sounds like I'm implying there's one side which is better than the other. But ultimately, a football club has stopped being a football club primarily and it becomes a tool for someone with a PR tool bigger, for an oppressive yeah, regime. A, 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 yeah. much, a much bigger agenda. And I think that's the disappointing thing. It's like, you know, if it, it it's a much bigger issue than uh, my club going to go and suddenly dominate the league and is that fair and you know what's going on fair play and should so much money be pumped in the club it's 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 a bigger um issue and you know and it's even beyond the the point of of the premier league this should be moderated and looked at you know at the highest level at the government level and they looked at it i mean it seems like a situation has occurred where they suddenly waved it through inside it's fine and goodness knows what those reasons are and it's not even worth speculating because well, as long as they're not pirating premier league feeds well, exactly. It's it, it's absolutely you know it's none none of it looks you know smells good. But for me, the biggest issue is um, the worst thing you want as a supporter of a club going into another game is the new manager bounce. You're always fearful of going. Oh God, they've got a new manager. The tails will be up. They're gonna mm-hmm. you know they're gonna win. As a Spurs fan, I I don't know what the new owner bounce does. The new billionaire bounce. But it, if you're gonna put your money on one result this week. 
it's going to be Newcastle winning. The crowd are going to be absolutely insane. It's going to be utterly raucous. Spurs will go up to St. James Park. They don't have a particularly good record against Newcastle recently. Newcastle always seem to pull out these ridiculous wins against them. And, you know, it's going to be like going into, into the lion's den. Yeah, it is. I want you to be there in the, uh, in the away end with a Spurs Khashoggi shirt. <laughs> Khashoggi nine on the back. Might not happen. Um, from a football point of view then, Grits, uh, Newcastle, we assume they're going to be spending big. Nothing really matters anymore. Who cares? Well, certainly no, no one's... The, the problem of location is always going to be an issue because if you've been to Newcastle, however big you feel the football club is, it still feels... It's always, it's always treated with kind of a third party sort of... They're, oh, they're just up there, you know, they're great, they're a loyal club, but they've never been treated as a serious threat or, you know, apart from maybe that that brief time with Keegan, certainly with um, the, the players that played for England in their team, Stephen Taylor, when he was there, he used to always say, well, the scouts never come, they never come up to watch it yeah. anyway. You know, the, you'll never see the England manager in the stands at, at Newcastle. So it'll be interesting to see and, and the way that they want to rebuild because are they going to give Steve Bruce a chance? You know what I mean? I, I don't know. It, it doesn't feel like it. So uh, what direction are they going to go in? Are they going to, I think I think you can chuck money at it. I think I think look, I know it's not an easy place to uh, attract people, but we saw in the nineties Middlesbrough managed to get you know, Emerson, Janino, Ravinelli. You throw enough money at people, they will be happy to go up there and become legends. I mean, it's the sort of place that 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 whole area is such a hotbed for football and for fanatic. Well, I should say fanaticism, given <laughs> with the owners, but they can do they can do whatever they want. But like I say, whatever trophies they win, nothing matters anymore. Who cares? Doesn't count. Asterisk everything. Um, all right, on, yeah. On that uh, on that absolute bloodbath of a final section. Let's wrap the podcast there. Um, gentlemen, thanks for joining me. Gareth, anything to uh, anything to plug? Uh, everyone's out on tour. Go get your tickets to see Snap Dankles and Griff Reese and Baba Ali. Go go watch some gigs now. You can go back and do that and enjoy it. Go and do that. Right, we'll be back same time, same place next week here on The Whistleblowers. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.